0: Because the whole world gone crazy! Just please, go nuts. What in God's holy name are you blathering about? I mean, really, explore the space. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. It's down there somewhere, let me take another one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Welcome to Beautiful Animals Podcast. My name is fucking Tyler Cole, this is Andy fucking Bosch over here. Hello,
1: hello, 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 and welcome back to another beautiful episode. Welcome, we're...
0: A beautiful animal podcast. Yes. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about a little bit of some stuff, right? Some uh, unconscious.
1: Uh... Yeah. Today we're going to be continuing the conversation that we started last week on the nature of and the power of the unconscious mind. Today we're going to be dipping our toes into a little bit of what may be called pseudo science. Maybe a little wooey, wooey. A little woo, a little woo science. As we like to call it. Woo Yeah, we're going to be uh, exploring the edges. Of the understanding of the power of the unconscious mind. Yeah, we and, might get into some placebo yeah, stuff. Yeah, seeing Maybe where that to, takes
0: us. Might have to push it till next week. But uh... yeah,
1: we got a lot to talk about. This is a pretty complicated subject. We're um, we're just kind of having fun uh, just talking about it. So we sure are. Join us for this conversation. We're gonna step away from the purely scientific, and we're gonna discuss some some more fringe uh, areas of belief yeah. around placebo effects and the Perfect. power of mind and mindsets. Yeah. yeah. This is all coming because I got suckered into reading this book called Becoming Supernatural. Suckered. Yeah. <laughs> By the algorithm. Oh, actually. That yeah. freaking algorithm. Yeah, probably because I've been like searching for things like the gateway tapes and like why am mm. I so sad and things like that. <laughs> <Why are you laughs> that so sad? The uh, algorithm's like, here's some here's some bullshit, read that. <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm getting similar stuff like why am I itchy? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> why am I sticky? <laughs>
1: why do I have this rash? <laughs> But um, so anyway, this book came to me, or was presented to me by the algorithm at some point, and I went ahead and clicked it, downloaded it, and listened to it. And it's called um, "Becoming Supernatural" by Doctor
0: Big air quotes on Doctor <laughs> Doctor <whistles> You Here, those, those are air quotes.
1: <whistles> <Yeah>. <whistles> doctor. That is what an air quote would sound like. Yeah. yeah. <whistles> Who is a, a does have a doctorate of chiropractic? Closer so. to doctor than some people. Yeah, closer to doctor than me. That's yeah. that's for sure. So I read this, I read his, one of his books. He's got another book that was released previously and I didn't read that one, but I did read this one called Becoming Supernatural. It's got some pretty good hooks. Like it's definitely the kind of stuff that I want to believe in for sure. Mm-hmm. It speaks to just in general, it speaks to the power, your power as a, as a human being to tap into the power of your unconscious mind and the potential benefits of, that that can have on you and your life physically and emotionally and spiritually. It it deals a lot with, quote-unquote, the law of attraction, which is a very popular kind of new-agey thing. I think a few years ago, the biggest contribution to to that sort of interest in that field was the book called The Secret. Remember when everybody was reading that? I don't. Well, okay. (laughs) (laughs) A while back, this book got super... Famous. It's called The Secret. It. I think it kind of popularized more than anything else like the the idea of the law of attraction, which is essentially just that Like if you can visualize and really embody the future state that you want to be in.
0: Not like manifesting. Yeah, it's manifesting. Basically, yeah. yeah. Vision board.
1: Manif- manifesting your future by putting yourself into that place. What do you, what do you got
0: there? Would you pull up? Oh, just the, the Secret book by Rhonda Byrne, released in 2006. Self-help book.
1: Mm-hmm. So that got really popular, I guess, like eight years ago or whatever. I'm sorry. Based on
0: the belief of pseudoscientific law of attraction.
1: Yeah, pseudoscientific. So we're in the realm of pseudoscience right now. I just want to throw that out there as a caveat. But like I mentioned last week, what I wanted to kind of do on this episode, last week what we were talking about was all scientifically studied and proven and understood theories. And this week we're going to edge into the area of pseudoscience a little bit, but then I'm going to try and kind of link it back up with sort of the edge of scientific discovery that we're on right now, because really people are starting to, I mean, the placebo effect is real, right? Like, and and your mental state does have a specific measurable impact on your physical well-being. There are realities to the idea that there's truth, there is some truth out there to the idea that your mindset or your outlook or the way you think can change your physical reality and eventually maybe outcomes. So I wanted to take a look. So I read this pseudoscience book by Joe Dispenza, but then I wanted to also kind of well take a look at like okay, well, what is the actual where 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 are we scientifically with this these kind of ideas? Because most ideas in science come first from a place of intuition or, uh, or just a hunch or really. or a hunch, yeah, or a it's place because, of suspicion. Like... A place of fucking around. A place of fucking around. And then the science a... is finding out. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't blame anybody for fucking around and <laughs> saying like, I bet if I think about a blue feather,
0: I'll find a blue feather. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whoever invented penicillin, if he didn't think, hmm, what if I just ate this mold off this bagel? Yeah, exactly. Someone has to go on,
1: out on a limb and <laughs> yeah. say, I can cure your disease with mold. <laughs> yeah. And probably a lot of people have to go to that person and be like, what the fuck are you talking about? You're not going to cure anything with mold. Yeah. But then you do the science and then you figure out that not only, yes, I, I was right and I can cure this disease with mold, but you, ha- you have to derive the mechanism. How is it that I am curing this disease with mold? And that I feel like that, almost the how part yeah. of it, right? The d- Defining the mechanism is what science is all about.
0: Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's difficult, but possible and it's been done to- quantify all that and take all those measurements of how it's actually the mold is doing what it's doing whatever i I don't fucking know what it's doing but somebody does but that's all measurable physically measurable stuff but the subconscious stuff kind of a lot of it isn't measurable yeah not yet i mean Uh, yeah yeah
1: yeah, and i think it's it's difficult to well i would say that I think that we have derived a lot of results <clears throat> from studies around the subconscious. Yeah. But yet we don't yet totally understand the mechanism because, I mean, they know things that, like, uh, well, uh, on Huberman Labs podcast, I listened to another episode recently on hypnosis. It was really good, right? I highly advise any listeners, guys, just check out. I'm going to be citing a lot, especially in this episode, from Huberman Labs podcast, with Dr. Andrew Huberman of Stanford University. That show is full of amazing content um, amazing neuroscience content i highly recommend it to anybody so anyway he had a he had a, hypne- a clinical hypnotist on the show a little while back and interviewed him mm-hmm. because there is such a thing as clinical hypnosis right and yeah. <laughs> it actually is actually used in medicine and he go he lays it out all these in- incredible benefits but um one of the things he talked about was that uh, they took these people through uh, a culinary journey under hypnosis. Culinary? Right? Culinary. 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 However you want. Cool. Culinary. Sounds cool. A, cool. Culinary journey, right? While under hypnosis, and I'm gonna I'm gonna botch the percentages, uh, but because I don't have I don't have it written down in front of me. But the people that they had under hypnosis, they basically led them through like, okay, now we're eating these tacos. Now we're eating these hamburgers. Now you're eating this. And while they were doing that, their stomach acids increased like 25%, and because their body believed that they actually were eating. Oh, they weren't actually eating. They were not eating. Oh, damn. They were under hypnosis, and they were told they were eating. And their body reacted as if it were eating. The body believed it was eating. So the stomach acids arrived in the exact same measure that they would had they been eating. Yeah. And then to take it a step further, they injected them with a drug that inhibits the production of stomach acids... Uh And they still produced stomach acids (laughs) above and beyond, like to the level that they would have had they been eating, right? So their mental state actually had more control over their stomach acid production than the drug that had been designed to control the stomach acid production. To the extent that one person being told that they were eating had to call a stop to the hypnosis. They were like, I can't eat anymore. I'm totally full. <laughs> really? Yeah, I'm completely full. Yeah. Like they, they had reached, their body was telling them, like you've eaten enough, yeah. you are full, you are no longer hungry. Even though they were just hypnotized and they were not eating.
0: One thing I'm curious about, I was just reading this book about fungi uh-huh. and like how, I mean, it's. I don't think it's, I didn't understand fully what what it was talking about. I don't think it's really fully understood. It's still stuff being studied, but like people have kind of realizing that fungus kind of acts as like almost a communication system between different plants, like in a forest. Right. And it can like tell the trees almost like, hey, there's, uh, there's more predator. food over here. Or oh, yeah. Start growing over there. Yeah. And uh, there might be something kind of like that happening in your gut biome, like the, some sort of communication between your brain telling your gut whatever, like the bacteria in your gut, like, hey, we're about to get a bunch of sweet ass tacos. Be ready for that.
1: Yeah. and I mean, there certainly is. And that's kind of what I was getting at is like we're the results are... Well documented yeah. that like if you tell somebody under hypnosis that they're eating, their stomach will react yeah. as if it's eating. I don't know how well the mechanism, like you're saying, the actual pathway yeah. is understood. Because I think it's it's more difficult to quantify like what that, what it, what when you say, oh, you had a thought, like what it is. Yeah. What they'll say is like, okay, when you tell someone they're eating a taco, you see activity in this neural network in the brain. It's the taco center. Which cascades to these other neurons throughout the body. That lead down to the gut biome that produces this thing, yeah. And that electrical signal triggers this one, triggers this one, triggers this one. So I mean, I guess that that is the mechanism, but it's, <laughs> but again, the answer is sort of how. Yeah, like, is and it not, electrical it's signal? It's not really a why yeah. answer,
0: right? Is it electrical signal? Is it a chemical hormone kind of deal? Who knows? Well, they know.
1: <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> well, mean, we all the time. They, I mean, to an extent, right? They know. Anyway, so that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about first. I kind of want to go over the claims, jo- doc, quote unquote, doctor, quote unquote, <laughs> doctor Joe dispenses claims, and then I want to circle back to, I want to, I want to finish out the episode by grounding us in a little bit of reality. And to do so, I'm going to talk about more studies that Doctor Leah Crum of the Stanford Mind Body Lab, her and her team, what they've, what they've completed in their lab, as reported on the Huberman Labs podcast.
0: Far out. Yeah, man. So are you saying uh, things might get a little wooey-wooey?
1: Yeah, I'm saying we're going to go out beyond the edge of uh, belief here for a while. I mean, like, we're just going to be talking about belief and not about science for a bit, and uh, we're going to get a little weird.
0: I really like that the word wooey-wooey has kind of become mainstream. Dude,
1: I know. Actually, after we were I was listening to another episode of Human Labs podcast and he was talking about. He used the term "woo science." <laughs> woo science, yeah. yeah.
0: It's, it's hilarious because it's nonsense, but it makes a lot of sense. I know. I, don't, I wonder
1: where, <laughs> like, where that's derived from, like the origin of woo yeah. science or wooey woo,
0: wooey woo.
1: Yeah, it's fun. I mean, you know, any you say it, and you know exactly. What uh, it yeah, is. exactly. Like, yeah. it's excellent word choice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So anyway, you want to get into yeah, it or let's what? Get into it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so becoming supernatural by Doctor Joe Dispensa. Highlights, uh, you know, the importance of and the abilities of the unconscious to um, to change your own existence. And he, and he has a, a number of different points that he makes, and he's also pitching and selling his own seminars through the whole thing, which oh, is yeah. always a red flag, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for me. Because when someone's trying to make money off their thing, you can only trust people who do it for as a labor of love, which is why you can trust us at Beautiful Animals Podcast because I guarantee you. We're not making a dime. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's kind of where things, for me, I started. I, when I picked up that book, I had no idea. I didn't really know if it was a scientific approach or if it was pseudoscience. And he certainly introduces it as his studies and his team have found a way to meld mysticism and spirituality with science, which everybody's yeah. claiming that. Everybody wants that. You know, and I think there is a place where that occurs. I mean, we talked a little bit about last week and in other episodes how often historic oral tradition or religious ideas are pretty close to reality because mm-hmm. people are just trying to figure it out. Or And by reality, I mean the current scientifically accepted standard, which is undoubtedly going to change. Yeah. Because that's what science does. It's just important not to be dogmatic. I think it's uh, important to appreciate previous understandings of the world and models of the world as good tries yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> maybe not as good as the try we're in right now but still a good shot
0: you know yeah and i think especially with uh if they were to at some point be able to measure consciousness and all that like it probably still wouldn't be that accurate well, or not, that yeah. reliable
1: it's never gonna be perfect yeah. you know but that's um but we're just we just try and get closer and closer yeah. to and some kind of objective truth as, as much as one can yeah
0: and where we're at right now i guess is as close as we're gonna get until we get closer yeah <laughs> yep <laughs> definitely <laughs> yeah, so I, I,
1: we like to use words here a Beautiful Animals Podcast like current understanding or the contemporary operating model, yeah. not uh, the truth. The truth. <laughs> and I think it's wise to, as you examine your sources out in the world, be wary of anyone that claims to have an absolute ownership over the truth of any kind. Yeah, because, Every,
0: I mean, no, yeah. no matter what situation you're in, if somebody thinks they know what they're talking about, they're full of shit.
1: Yeah. That's why you can trust us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've
0: never claimed to know what we're talking about. <laughs> exactly. We only lay claim to the fucker in
1: a find out method. That's it. Yeah. Which, which we invented. Which, of course, we invented. <laughs> anyway, so um, the first of his many claims that he uses to back up his, or to give himself credibility is that he was hit by a bus sometime in like his 20s or whatever and broke several vertebrae in his lower back and was told by doctors in Western medicine that he would not regain a lot of the mobility that he had, but he was also a person who had studied a lot of Eastern and traditional meditation techniques and things like that. And that he went ahead and did these series of meditations that allowed him to access his unconscious and use his unconscious to heal his vertebrae. And now he's like completely healed through just thinking about it. I, nobody knows the veracity of that statement, but yeah. that's sort of the gist of where he's going and that's kind of how he lays the groundwork for like, look, you can do amazing things with your mind. I did it.
0: Yeah. I've heard of people doing kind of the same thing. Like if they have cancer, they like do do like a ritual every day of just like envisioning the cancer, leaving. Yeah. And like you like have like a wave of whatever healing energy, energy that goes from the top of your body to the bottom. Yeah. And then I think, I don't remember who this was, but somebody was saying they they did that and they were healed and they, they always imagined the, the cancer leaving through the soles of their feet and, like, once the cancer was gone, they, like, noticed that they had been getting, like, these new calluses on the bottom of their feet, like, from this point where they... they imagined it exiting their body. Yeah, and so, yeah, whether it was that or whatever else that got rid of the cancer, it... Uh, it dissipated. Yeah. It worked. Something worked. That's what mattered.
1: That's what matters, yeah, and I think... So, and that... Whatever that's from, that story backs up those claims that you can, like... Think your way out of some fucked up situations. And we'll get to it, like I said, at the end of the episode about some documented uh, effects of mindset. I mean, um, in in addition to the hotel study, which we'll recap, we talked about last week. But there's definitely truth in it. So I don't want to throw the baby out with bathwater and just say, like, this guy's a total hack. Because he very well may have done that. (laughs) (laughs) you know, And uh, you hear all the time about people who have been told by more quote unquote traditional doctors in Western medicine that there's nothing they can do to fix whatever malady it is. And then they, they look for alternative sources and through whatever mechanism, maybe it's belief, maybe it's placebo, maybe it's something else are able to find relief and sometimes like a permanent cure for these things that ail them. So anyway, Dr. Doe is another one of those people that claims to kind of know the way, uh, or at least a way of doing that, of priming yourself for being able to do that. And it's all through a series of meditations that he has developed personally. And is now selling. And is now selling for, like, many hundreds of dollars. <laughs> Good for him. Yeah. <laughs> Good for him. Okay, so Dr. Joe, Dispenza, Joe Dispenza's first book was called You Are the Placebo. and that was his, old, his old. that was his first book, I think, that sort of started launching him into a degree of fame. And I, I say a degree of fame because you can't even find this guy on Wikipedia. Oh, yeah. there's actually not. I don't know if he's just, like...
0: He scrubs it maybe. He or? might
1: scrub it. you might have somebody scrub it because it's actually difficult to find information about this guy online. Surprisingly Surprise. difficult. Yeah. Which is another red flag for sure. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of these like um, we'll call them pseudoscience or pop psychology is often how they're referred to. A lot of these people that profess techniques to manifest better outcomes and better future are uh, relying on ideas from quantum physics. Uh Oh, right. Very convenient that not the average person understands what that means. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I think, I think that is (laughs) like (laughs) the thing uh, we should briefly just talk about why quantum physics has introduced enough controversy or enough like gray area to allow people to suggest that that is the mechanism for how this sort of uh, meditation or, um, unconscious thought program can change reality like literally change reality yeah and a lot of that has to do with uh and you might actually be able to describe this better than me but the the nature of light to be a wave and oh, a yeah. particle
0: depending on how you're measuring light because it's i mean it's considered both a particle and a wave and if you measure its traits that tend to describe it as a particle then you are unable to at the same time measure its wave properties and vice versa if you're if you know the position its location you can't measure its speed but if you are if you measure its speed you don't know where it is something something crazy like that
1: yeah i mean it's a wave function collapse you can measure
0: one or the other of one particular photon
1: right and so what does this have to do with mindset
0: well you can know where your brain is but you can't know how fast it's thinking (laughs) or you can if you measure how fast it is you don't know where it went your brain is gone You open your mind too much and your brain fell out. Yeah, that happens. (laughs) Um, So people talk about the observer effect. By measuring something, you change its nature.
1: And people are usually referring to that principle, I think, when they talk about the observer effect. Before observation,
0: it's a wave. At the time of observation, the particle becomes localized. Which kind of reminds me of uh, Carl Jung. Once you define it, you kill it. Yeah. When you define God... You kill him. Same yeah, once you particle. trap it in the box. God is both a particle and a wave.
1: Yeah, but as soon as you assign, put him in the church, he no longer has the wave powers. Yeah, he's just it's a... just a object. It's a misunderstanding of the observer effect that is often quoted as... Oh, as proof. As proof of being able to manifest things. Because it's if this, then that. If, if observing a wave takes it from a wave to a particle, yeah. then literally by pointing your conscious mind at wave forms, mm-hmm. you can turn them into matter. This is the uh, this is the stretch. That's what they're that's yes, their yes, argument. This is the claim. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's like so if if that's true of electrons, yeah. where an electron is a wave, but then once the observer observe it observes it, it becomes a particle. If that's true of electrons, then maybe time acts the same way. Maybe time is sort of this nebulous wave function but through focused attention you can collapse it into a reality
0: so you turn the spectrum of time into a moment by by defining, f- defining it with conscious thought which makes sense on a, on a surface level but
1: yeah it sort of makes sense yeah. i mean there, there's a sort of you could be like oh yeah okay yeah yeah uh, because there's something that okay
0: well, we're not going to get into the hermetic laws so it's basically a metaphor that's being taken as fact
1: Yeah. Or yeah, you're extrapolating on sort of a metaphor to and applying it to something bigger. Right. I mean, we talk about a lot, at least in our internal conversations, the sort of as above, so below principle. Right. Where you often find congruence in in these different levels of life where something really small acts the same way as something really big. And you see this sort of fractalization of the way something acts where it acts the same way really in this really small way but also very similarly in a large way when it's big it just does the same thing just bigger yeah and we talk about we've talked about that with the saculum where there's like yeah. seasons and days and lifetimes and then also 80 year cycles and maybe 2000 year cycles and maybe you know and the sort of consistencies you can draw between those different sized arenas but performing in the same way so people are doing that as above so below sort of calculation in their heads with this idea of an electron going from a a wave to a particle Mm -hmm. but then they're talking about like your lifetime your time in front of you is unformed until you collapse it into what's going to happen that's sort of the basis for the idea of the law of attraction in sort of pop psychology or pseudoscience is like if you can attain (laughs) With your conscious mind, the frequency that you want by like picturing or living the future that you want to manifest, then you can through this action of your conscious mind or unconscious mind collapse the future into the shape that you are. That makes sense. I mean,
0: I wouldn't say it, collapse it, is the right word, but like you, you narrow it down. Narrowing. You narrow down your your po- list of possible paths. So you kind of move.
1: yeah. I mean, you can. I mean, we've talked before about how there's a literal way in which this happens as well. Like, because life is pretty chaotic and there are a lot of options in front of all of us all the time Mm -hmm. and most obstacles to the outcomes that we want are self-prescribed, are are in your own head a lot of the time. So, (laughs) because you really, I mean, you could, anyone could quit their job and go try and get another job, you know, but, What holds people back from that is them saying to themselves, how am I going to pay rent? How am I going to feed my family? How am I going to do these things? But there's no physical barrier stopping them from walking into their boss's office and saying, I quit. There's no, like, if they try to do that, the door's not going to be, you know what I mean? There's not actually a physical imperative stopping them. It's just the idea of the consequences in their head. So when you quote unquote manifest the future that you want, I think what, in my opinion, a lot of what is happening is you are put putting those self-imposed obstacles out of the way.
0: Yeah, that makes sense because because they're not real until they happen, which they may or may not be real, but you're, right. they're very real because you are making them real. I don't they know.
1: seem very <laughs> real to you when yeah. you are
0: worrying about them. I think anyone who's like
1: taken a risk and gone on a limb to do something kind of scary often finds that it's easier than they thought. And I so I think literally a lot of this like manifestation and visualization stuff is a lot more grounded and a lot simpler yeah. than actually physically collapsing space-time into a real future <laughs> yeah and more just sort of looking out paying attention to the opportunities that are going to benefit your long-term goals as opposed to paying attention to the perceived obstacles that inhibit your long-term goals
0: yeah it makes sense just like there's if i were to do this there are seven there are these seven things that will happen that will be a problem yeah but then if you do that, maybe only four of the things happen, right? And then it's a lot easier. But in your mind, yeah, all seven of those things are gonna happen, or yeah, yeah or a hundred of them, you yeah. know, like so <laughs> yeah. many things. But like, I mean, like
1: personally, and that's just that has nothing to do with his book. That is just personally my <laughs> yeah. thought about why, or part of why, manifestation seems to work for people a lot, is because I think most of us are bound by our own expectations more than external obstacles. A little bit of a tangent there. But that's the idea behind a lot of this manifestation work. So it, according to Joe Dispenza... Quote-unquote doctor. Quote-unquote doctor. Yeah. <laughs> doctor Joe Dispenza. If you can engage in this type of meditation, which he has developed and will sell to you, then you can access your unconscious mind and you can use your unconscious mind as basically like... Basically, your unconscious mind is like a your the back door to the actual programming of your life. So it's like right now... If you think of yourself as a computer, we have access to the programs and the UI, the user interface of the computer that is our own health, well-being, and future. But if you can go into the actual coding and change the coding, then you can change what appears on the UI, user interface. And so using that analogy, the way to do that is to, through meditation, get your brainwave frequencies into the right place to be able to... Basically take a conscious thought and use that as a program on your unconscious. Uh, He has a very specific rule about your request not being time bound. So if it's like, I want to get a job as a screenwriter for movies, you have to have have that idea very clearly in your head. Like I want to become a screenwriter for for films in Hollywood. But you can't have the idea, I want to be a screenwriter in six months because it's going to happen when it happens. He has a lot of examples in the book and uh, I imagine many of them are true uh, of people being able to do this with some pretty dramatic effects. But anyway, the process as defined in the book at least is to have a very clear message or desire or request of your unconscious and then engage in this type of meditation that gets your brainwaves on the right frequency to like operate on the coding of your unconscious. And then you can take that message and upload it to like your unconscious, subconscious mind. And then when you come back to your conscious level of thinking, your body and your unconscious are operating with that message yeah. and making it real. So it can be used, according to this guy, for manifesting like outcomes that you want in terms of wealth, job, relationships, love, but also like health benefits like clearing cancer and, you know, curing other things and injuries and diseases
0: i feel like his his, they tried to make it easier by making it sound like a computer program but i think that makes it more complicated
1: (laughs) uh yeah i mean maybe i did that but (laughs) i
0: guess it's 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 helpful to have i
1: think the delineation or people have an understanding of like there being coding that's operating what you're seeing when you're on the internet but you can't see it i think that's a good analogy for the conscious and the unconscious mind yeah a little bit because like what's actually going on to make your app that you're using Snapchat or whatever what what's going on to make Snapchat work you're not you don't see the lines of code but if you wanted to change something dramatic about the way Snapchat worked you would have to go in and change the code and you for Snapchat know
0: how to read it and, and you'd even, have
1: to know how to read it and yeah. write it right yeah and most of us are operating on this user interface level of snapchat and we're able to take videos and we're able to send pictures and things like that but we're not able to go in and change the way that it works but he's saying that he's developed a way of meditating that allows you to read and write the code of the program that is your life basically and you can go in and you can change things and and they will eventually take effect that's the that's the main thrust of that book but there's a few mechanisms through which it's achieved right and i want to just briefly touch on some of those things right mm-hmm. it's all it's all about meditation and achieving this higher wavelength or, or uh, higher frequency of brain function or lower frequency i don't remember <laughs> <laughs> different, different frequency <laughs> that allows you to access these other parts of your mind there's a lot of similarities to some proven stuff i mean like i think i mentioned earlier like i just listened to this episode of human labs podcast that was all about hypnotism and the the use we discussed that you know just in testing the power of hypnotism they were having people they were leading people hypnotizing people and telling them that they were eating all these foods and their stomach was acting in such a way that that they consume food but one of the main clinical uses of the hypnotism is for dealing with trauma what they're able to do through hypnotism is tell a person you are in this your body is safe you're floating in like a pool of warm water everything is safe and then introduce them to the traumatic event while they are perceiving and their body is feeling safe and comfortable and allows people to have you know it's essentially exposure therapy yeah, to trauma sense. but according to this this doctor at Stanford you can actually have you can get success faster through exposure therapy to trauma in hypnosis than you can through like talk therapy because it's very difficult when you're doing talk therapy to get someone to feel that comfortable and safe while they're reliving, reliving a traumatic event. Hypnotism gives you sort of a back door to forcing a person to feel comfortable yeah. even while they're reliving a traumatic event. And the way they do that is through entrainment. And what I mean by entrainment is when you can produce a rhythm of some kind to get someone's brain to operate at a certain frequency that um, makes them more suggestible. So that's what hypnotism typically is, is like you you use a mechanism that's typically relies on eye movement to entrain someone's brain so that it operates at this different frequency that then allows that person to be suggestible to the point where you can convince them that they are safe. And then bring up a traumatic event, but they believe that they are safe.
0: So because yeah, if they're like too aware and conscious, they're thinking mm, this guy's trying to trick me or yeah, whatever. Or they're
1: just they're too actively focused on reliving the traumatic event, yeah. and their body is actually re-experiencing the trauma. What and that's what you don't want, right? Because just like with the food example, your body will act as um, if it's going through that traumatic yeah, so event it will again.
0: Dump adrenaline or whatever the yeah, hell do. Yeah, I mean, do, that's yeah. what
1: a PTSD is typically yeah. is your body running back through that same physical experience, even though you're not physically having the experience. Like yeah. a lot of victims of PTSD, especially veterans, will have these outrageous night terrors in which they completely vividly relive the experience. And it's not just auditory and, and, and uh, video, you know, hallucinations or experiences, but it's also the physical, like you said, chemical expressions of that event reoccurring so as far as your body knows it is physically happening again and so you need to find a way to divorce the body's activity from the trigger the intellectual emotional audio trigger that's putting your body back in that stressed state yeah right and hypnosis is a tool to do that binaural beats right which is part of what the gateway tapes uses are another way to do that that audio entrainment works we both experienced it on the gateway tape like yeah. he, you so the way just a real quick <laughs> what binaural beats are right <laughs> i might have a
0: sample of it right here yeah
1: let's hear a sample
0: yeah this one has a little bit of a some of the ocean sound in the background
1: yeah anyway so what happened so the reason that hearing a frequency in one ear and a different frequency in the other ear can cause this entrainment is this like as a human being and as most animals, our brain does a little calculation when it hears something in one ear and then in the other. Oh yeah, ear, right. Yeah,
0: that's that's how stereo. I mean, it's just stereo hearing. Like you, there's a very very slight change in the sound from your left ear to your right ear. That's how you're able to tell that it's on. On your, right, your side right side or your left
1: side yeah. or or the distance at which something is.
0: Yeah, or like a very slight change in amount of time it takes for your left ear to hear it after your right. or Exactly. Vice versa. So that's why you know what side of your head it's on or yeah. what side of your
1: body. You're able to triangulate the position of a sound that you hear because of when it enters your right ear versus when it
0: enters your left ear. Which is a really quick subconscious calculation that your body's always doing. And- exactly, and
1: you're not aware of it. Now, if you put a headphone in your right ear and a headphone in your left ear, and you play a frequency in one and a frequency in the other, your brain is trying to do that calculation. But it's hearing a different frequency. Uh So it produces a third frequency because it's trying to make sense of like ba-ba-ba-ba-ba in the right ear and ba-ba-ba-ba in the left ear. And it's doing that arithmetic and what it comes up with is a different frequency in that. Because your brain is creating this third frequency to make sense of it, it entrains itself into that frequency. So what they figured out with these binaural beats and with the gateway tapes is particular frequencies that then can put you in a more relaxed state or a more agitated state or a more aware state because your brain will entrain to that frequency. How fucking crazy is that? It's fucking crazy, man. Anyway, meditation does the same shit. (laughs) And hypnosis does that. And meditation does that. And like all this stuff are ways in which to entrain your brain to get it to operate a little bit differently than it would otherwise. Anyway, in Dr. Joe Dispenza's classes, he utilizes meditation in the same way to create entrainment, to create different states of being. So he suggests that when you're in this higher frequency state you're able to engage with your autonomic nervous system, which you're generally not able to engage with, right? It's just unconscious control of your body's mechanisms. So that if you meditate the right way or you get in the right mindset, you can give directives to your autonomic nervous system, which will allow you to, you know, increase melatonin, decrease testosterone, increase testosterone. Not specifically, and this is actually kind of interesting because this this does dovetail well into mindsets and the actual understood science of mindsets that we'll talk about later but like here's how I think about it you're not going to be able to like think to your body hey pump up the testosterone
0: please but there is a thought you can do that might actually do that
1: right but you can get in the mindset of like increasing awareness and being more ready and being more vigilant and and, and making yourself stronger and your body knows that in order to do that, it's gonna to need to pump up the testosterone. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it you can talk to your body in certain ways and think in certain ways that will have specific measurable results on things like hormone levels. But it, it's not as easy as just being like, hey Hey body, up the testosterone a little bit please. Yeah. It's not that simple. It's, you know, there's different ways to go about it. And we're really going to get into mine since the end of this episode, maybe next episode, because I really want to go through Dr. Leah Crum's research on the subject of the Stanford Mind Body Lab. But first we're going to talk about some woo shit, some more woo shit. Woo, <laughs> woo, here we go. So so first we're going to talk about chakras. One of his initial meditations is has to a lot to do with he calls it healing of the energy centers. And what that is is going into that sort of different frequency state where you can operate on your physical body and on your subconscious and unconscious, and then going through each energy center and and, and healing that area. And what he's talking about with energy centers, when he brings up energy centers, are the chakras, right? Or chakral points in the body. Chakras are a... Well, known. I've heard the uh, word. Yeah. And, you know, a part of the yogic tradition and many traditions. And it's basically an understanding of energy centers in the body where energy can become blocked and it can result in dysfunction of the physical parts of the body that are related to those energetic centers. So, for example, we'll start at the bottom because they typically start at the bottom and work their way up. L- blockages do. And oh, this yeah. is according to different traditions but also to Joe Dispense in this book. If you have a problem in your root chakra, which is
0: located... Oh, can I guess? Yeah. Your feet? Nope. <laughs> oh. Well, <laughs> below your feet. Nah, uh, nope. Oh, fuck.
1: Yeah, you don't have any chakras
0: in your legs. What's down there then? Just your legs. Just, so There's I suppose... No... My arms are just arms. And <laughs> yeah. Gods are just gods. These are just legs, you're telling me?
1: Yeah, basically, it's all in your trunk. It's, oh, my trunk. Well, okay. I mean, and this is... Remember I was saying how the Vedic tradition is sort of similar to the um, to the idea of the central nervous system?
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so the spinal column is basically the... The, the base of the spinal column yeah.
1: to the top of your head nice.
0: is where all of these
1: chakras are located. Okay. And it's, it's just kind of interesting because... That is also where your what is known as your central nervous system yeah. is your spinal column up to your brain. And from there everything branches out, but like nothing is collected you don't have like a right leg chakra and a left leg chakra. <laughs> yeah. It all your root chakra is right at the very base of your spinal I column. Like a big toe chakra. And at your pelvic floor. That and that's be, uh, huh?
0: that would be the bottom of your bottom of the barrel? So right in the seat of your pants.
1: Yeah, so when you're flying by the seat of your pants. <laughs>
0: you're actually flying. You're by.
1: really just Putting all your eggs into the root chakra. That's what they call it, the root chakra. This is the first chakra. It's located at the base of the spine. It's the foundation on which we build our life, representing safety, security, and stability. If you have an imbalance in your uh, root chakra, it can you can experience scattered energy, anxiety, fear, that kind of thing. Um, so that's a very base. You also might have like some issues pooping and stuff like that. That'll happen. The next one up... Is uh, located just below your belly button. The second chakra is called the sacral chakra. This is creative energy, sexual energy. If you have, if you're experiencing repressed creativity or you know sexual problems, ED or anything like that, there could be an imbalance in your sacral
0: chakra. It's interesting, because it's like I'm imagining it being like right where the womb would be or the uterus, and that's where. I mean, yeah, obviously there's some relation to sex there, but also creativity. It's creating a like little. Li- yeah.
1: yeah, literal creation. Yeah. Is also where creativity stems from in yeah. this understanding of human energy. The next chakra up, the third chakra, is your solar plexus oh, yeah. chakra, right? And it's uh, located just puh, below puh, the chest. Puh, puh, puh. This uh, is where things like self-esteem come from, willpower. That's why you puff out your chest
0: when you're yeah, cool.
1: Yeah, uh, personal responsibility. You wouldn't, know, wouldn't know anything about that. <laughs> so if you're feeling an imbalance, maybe that's. Maybe that's uh, presenting itself as low self esteem, uh, control issues, uh, manipulative ten- tendencies, misuse of power comes mm. from an imbalance in your sacred. This is your solar plexus, the third chakra. The, uh, can you guess what the next one up is? It's got to be right in the titty there. Yeah, it's your heart chakra. My heart. Yeah, the heart chakra, located in the center of the chest, represents love, self love, relationships. That's why you feel heartbroken yeah. when someone bails on you. So if you're experiencing depression or difficulty in relationships, hold on a second. Lack of self-discipline. Wait a fucking second. (laughs) You might have an imbalance in your heart chakra. (laughs) Wait, (laughs) that's my stuff.
0: (laughs) That's fucking interesting, man. Yeah. Anyway,
1: uh, next one up. So that was the fourth chakra, the heart chakra. Next one up is your, and this is a very quick overview. Of course, there's a lot of different things that are attributed with these things and yoga things you can do to open them up and acupuncture and all that. Uh, next one up is the throat chakra. Right. That's where you uh, fucking sing from. Located at the center of your neck. It, it represents, it is where you sing from. It represents the ability to speak and communicate clearly and effectively. Imbalanced attributes. You could, would be like shyness, uh, withdrawn, but also like over acting, like arrogance, you
0: yeah. know, and, um, and increased anxiety. It's interesting because I feel like uh, mine might be kind of clogged because, I mean, I have a hard time getting words out sometimes. <laughs> I there's think so, maybe, sort of yeah, you between. might have
1: an imbalance in your throat chakra.
0: But not only that, I'm always going, <clears throat> I've always got fucking. You know, you are always clearing your yeah. throat. You probably since noticed that more kid. since you're
1: editing the episodes. Yeah, too. well, I mean, I've known it for a long time because,
0: yeah. like, my grandparents, I hear them do the same. Yeah, and, like, now I hear my younger brother doing it, and I heard my great grandma doing it when. So when you she probably got
1: to do a little meditation. Next time we're doing the gateway tapes. Try and clear out your throat chakra. <sighs> you might hawk like a giant loogie, oh, dude. and then like it's like one some...
0: big final loog.
1: Yeah, and then everything's okay. <laughs> and yeah. then
0: all of a sudden, I'm got a fucking sexy. Yeah, voice what? All of a sudden, you have a radio voice. Cool words.
1: Yeah. <laughs> See, I have according to my, when I'm guessing my issues are. <laughs> I haven't even gotten there yet. I don't yeah. even have problems with my throat. Your heart is pure. You're your heart... good. <laughs> it's the throat that your problems occur at. Okay, the next one up they call the uh, third eye chakra, which is located in the center of your forehead. Oh yeah. Between the eyebrows, it, it represents intuition, foresight, driven by openness and imagination. Imbalances would can be presented as like a lack of direction or a lack of clarity. I also have problems there, so can there's issues with that. <laughs> <laughs> when I did the gateway tapes for the first time and I felt this like buzzing. That's kind of where it was, like right. Oh, yeah. I think that's where it was, like right in the middle of my head. Felt like there was a a ball in the middle of my head that was just like vibrating and wouldn't huh. stop. Yeah, I had to watch TV to shut it down. <laughs>
0: <laughs> very good move.
1: Close that third eye, <laughs> shut that thing yeah. <laughs> up.
0: <laughs> oh man, it's weird how fucking accurate that
1: is. Uh, isn't that? Yeah. I know some of these things. Like you want to say it's all wooey and weird, but then there's a very there's a lot of intuitive. It feels right a lot of the time. You know, these goddamn like,
0: hippies know what they're talking about. I think they do. I <laughs> think
1: they do. And I think, you know, we got to play some catch up in the scientific community. Yeah. But I don't think it's all wrong. Anyway, <clears throat> and then the last one, is, well, the last one on this of the inside your body chakras is the crown chakra. That's right at the top of your oh, head. Yeah. And that represents states of higher consciousness and divine connections. Imbalances in this area can present as cynicism, disregarding what is sacred. Being closed-minded and being disconnected from the spirit. In Joe Dispenza's book, too, he talks about how most of the problems, most physical ailments that you have have to do with the first three chakras. The root one, the gut yeah. one, and then the solar plexus one.
0: Yeah, because that's like the body, and it seems mm-hmm. like the rest of them are more mind-related.
1: More mind-related, yeah. yeah. And that's kind of the way that the whole Vedic mind model went that we talked about. There's like oh, yeah. the body ones, and then the more energetic ones, and then more mental ones. Yeah. That's actually the same, you know, sort of tradition that these things come from. But the eighth chakra, which is what Joe Dispenza talks about, there are some models that have even more chakras, but we're just going to talk about eight for right now. Yeah. The eighth one is sometimes called the soul star. Accessing the eighth chakras theoretically allows you to like connect to the greater divine spirit and to transcend time. There is an example in Joe Dispenza's book of his own experience transcending time. And this is one of those. I mean, we've talked about some wooey shit and my own sort of thought processes around time and time expression, but he describes this experience that he had where he was in at a sort of a crossroads in his life, and he was getting a lot of flack for pushing the ideas that he's pushing. Yeah, you know, and at at a certain point, he kind of wanted to give up because he was just like, man, I'm getting a lot of shit from everybody about <laughs> trying to heal people with this meditation and chakra magic. Yeah. He reached that certain point in his hero journey. Yep. Where he was tempted to quit by, mm. you know, what may have seemed like an easier life. He describes this experience where he's he's doing this meditation in his living room, and then all of a sudden he's, like, outside of his house, like, walking around in the snow, just, like, filled with euphoric experience. And he, like, sees... He finds the kid version of himself, like, in his own timeline, basically, It's like, oh, there's the kid version of myself. And the kid version of himself sees him and he remembers as a kid seeing this older person and not really knowing what was going on. And like he basically completes this circuit in his own like time experience. And then he realizes that he's like looking in the kitchen window at himself washing dishes. And he sees himself look up and look out the window and he remembers that time as well. Like this this sort of point at which he was watching the dishes and he looked and he felt like somebody was looking at him and he looked out the window and he like connects with that time loop too and all of a sudden he's in this like he's experiencing this sort of transcendent future state of himself and he's filled with euphoria and calm and just a knowledge that like everything is going to be fine like keep doing what you're doing and then he like is sort of back transported back to his living room after having this sort of temporal confirmation from uh... yeah this experience of transcending his own local position in his timeline and experiencing a future and past position in his timeline and completing a a loop, a circuit that allowed his, that freed him to like advance in different ways. I totally believe that he experienced that for himself. (laughs) Like, and, and I'm, I think, so he describes this experience of basically becoming somewhat unstuck on his own timeline, which is, feeds into his understanding of how to help people achieve the next step for themselves and how, because it allowed him to achieve the next step for himself. Right. And the way he phrases it is, is, is like this. Most of the time we go through our lives building our future or like operating in the present based on experiences we we've, we've had in the past. Like I'm going to go to work today because it's what I did yesterday. Or like, I'm going to do this because of what I did yesterday. Yeah, right. Like most of our actions today are based on the things that we did in the past, which makes a lot of sense With the way that time flows, right? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But if you really want to achieve something different and you really want to get out of the path that you're on, you can't do that by following the path laid out by your past, right? You have to get onto a different track. So his, his suggestion is to instead of living your life now based on what already happened, start living your life now based on what you know will happen. So instead of sort of embracing a lifestyle based on your history, embrace a lifestyle based on your future. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> yeah. Which is kind of what, I, what we talked about earlier where I was saying like a bunch, most of the obstacles in your path towards something that you really want are probably self-imposed. Yeah. And those self-imposed fears probably come from past experiences or perceived past experiences. And if you want to get around those self-imposed, perceptive, perceived blocks or perceived obstacles, it is helpful to be in a mindset of already being past them or them not existing. Because then you can angle yourself toward the outcome that you want most and avoid the fears that you have now. (laughs) He puts it in the metaphysical, like, collapsing of future timelines into the one that you want or, like, sort of tightening the potential of future timelines into the one branch that you want to travel on. I think he actually in the book, and I, I don't actually remember, I think he actually does say that, like, all of the potential timelines of your life exist. Like, if time is this ever-branching river, or ever-branching tree, yeah, right? They're all out there. Every single one. You just, you you have a, a bit of degree of control over which timeline your consciousness travels down in your present. If every eventuality is possible, every single, you know, anything that, like, right now, if a car crashed down there and we went and saw it, like anything could happen to change the flow of time from this point going forward, yeah. right?
0: Yeah, yeah, and when that when it happens, it really narrows it down. It narrows to, things down. Yeah. From it basically narrows it from what could yeah. happen to what did happen.
1: Yeah, but that that narrowing is something we can do before it happens. Can do, yeah. Can yeah. guide. So we can say like we can look forward. We can uh, engage in a degree of our own foresight and say okay. Uh, there's these 80 million potential pathways, but I want to go down that one, and yeah. you can angle yourself in that direction and make it more likely that you end up on that timeline as yeah. opposed to this one over here. Which, again, he puts it in a more metaphysical way, but it's the same thing as like just focusing on the thing that you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> it's doing a, that thing. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's a very long, complicated way of saying if you want to be somewhere, go in that direction.
1: Yeah, yeah. which doesn't seem profound, but there's (laughs) a a degree of profundity to it. (laughs) So Dr. Joe Dispenza talks about healing the eight energy centers, talks about being forward thinking in your own timeline as opposed to past thinking in your own timeline in order to like govern your experience. He also talks a lot about the power of like collective prayer. And this is some pretty interesting stuff. I mean, I know that there are studies out there about random number generators. You know, have you heard about this?
0: I mean, I know what it, I'm familiar with the name.
1: Well, explain to me what a random number generator is.
0: Well, my understanding is that it's a computer program that randomly generates a number. <laughs> and how does it do that? Using some programming, but it's uh, yeah, it's since it's a computer doing it, it's not truly random because it has to perform some some equation or something to generate the number, and since it's if it's a computer doing it, it can never be truly random. Um. Okay. So I'm not I'm not finding the actual study, but I've actually heard this before
1: that. The power of prayer, or the power of like conscious intent, can have, especially when it's done by a collective or like a group of people, can affect the outcomes of random number generators. Oh, really? Yeah, measurably. Yeah. So, like, if you have a program producing random numbers and you have like 60 people in a room collectively engaging in a, a prayer or a meditative process, it'll, it does have an observable effect on the numbers produced by the number generator. People aren't sure why. And I don't know. Again, this is a claim made by Dr. Joe Dispenza. And I think anecdotally that I've heard it before, but I don't. I haven't looked into the veracity of those studies, or just or found a peer reviewed reviewed paper or longitudinal study on the subject. So take that with a grain of salt. But I have heard of this before. This book. So part sort of the way that Joe Dispenza, Dr. Joe Dispenza, kind of sums everything up. If we all do this stuff together and we engage in more positive prayer. We can literally bring, like, peace to the earth. Yes, I think this guy's a charlatan and, uh, you know, probably to a degree, I'm sure he believes in what he's selling to a degree, but also is certainly interested in making money off this stuff. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, anyone whose goal is, like, world peace, uh, that's better than a lot of other things. <laughs> <laughs> All right. right? There yeah, could be worse I mean, goals. There's a lot of cool leaders out there who would probably use the exact same stuff to just get laid by their followers, you know? <laughs> yeah. And at least this guy, I I don't know, I don't know, maybe he's doing that, but (laughs) at least the proffered up goal or one of the main proffered up goals is to uh, reduce incidents of violence in the world. And he and he does purport some studies that have shown that, like, this collective got together and engaged. It was like 250 people engaged in prayer for this, like, two week period, specifically praying about Israel-Palestine conflict during a particularly hot period in that conflict. And during the two week period that they were engaged in this prayer around peacefulness. The rates of violent encounters dropped by like 20 something percent during that time period. Is there any proof of causation or even correlation? <laughs> no, but <laughs> yeah. but that's what they're after, right? So his like institute is trying to do these things where they have bigger and bigger prayer groups, basically trying to reduce instances of violence. And that's great. And anecdotally, I do have to say, I do believe in the power of prayer to a degree. And much of that comes from a family story that I have been told that I will share with you. Oh, well, let's hear it. So I believe this was to- This was my, uh, a story that my grandma told to my mom about when she was a little kid, right? So this is my, my grandma as a child. One day, uh, my grandma and her siblings were all asleep in their beds when suddenly their mom came into the room, gathered them all together, and said, uh, we have to pray right now for your dad. He was away on like a business trip. And they're like, okay, come here. We're, we're going to gather around and we're going to start praying right now. We need to pray for your dad right now. And they, you know, it was the middle of the night. It was like 2 a.m. or something. They were shocked. They had no clue, <laughs> like, why she was doing that. But she had, this is my grandma's mom, had been, had woke up in the middle of the night to a voice in her head, basically, that said, you need to pray for, I'm going to call him Jim. You need to pray for Jim. You need to pray for Jim right now. They didn't find out until a few days later. But at the moment that she heard that voice in her head and woke the kids up to start praying, the train... That Jim was riding on crashed, derailed. It was a horrible accident and Jim awoke to this like terrible crash and was like completely like in a flaming train car knowing like freaking out sure he was going to die when he all of a sudden heard this voice in his head that said crawl and like pointed him in the direction to crawl out of the rubble and out of the burning wreckage to survive. And when they later, like when he got back and told the story of what happened to his wife, those two things had occurred at exactly the same time. His train had crashed at the same time the voice had told his wife to wake up, get the kids, and pray for him right then. And then he heard the voice at the same time that he was being prayed for, right? Fucking crazy. It's totally fucking crazy. So that's the story that I kind of grew up with. So maybe that informs a degree of my willingness to believe in woo science. But I do believe that... There are many things that we are capable of sensing and experiencing that we do not have explanations for yet. No scientist is gonna argue with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. we have not figured everything out. <laughs> like we know that, right? So <laughs> yeah. to, to to slough something off or to suggest that there's no validity or no truth in experiences like this because it hasn't been scientifically proven yet, is non scientific. Mm-hmm. I mean it's not belief and science can exist. Side by side, and often science will be informed by belief, and you will find that, hey, yeah, that belief was pretty close to our current scientific understanding. So I don't mean to totally throw out this guy, Dr. Joe Dispenza, but one thing that bothers me is that he does claim a scientific basis for everything that he's saying and doing without engaging in, like, the peer review process or, like, providing documentation of the experience. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. like... Sh- it's just shady. It's a little shady. He might be totally right. Like, yeah. everything he might be doing might be right. He might be 100% right. But it's shady to suggest that he's a, he knows he's 100% right because of this, this, and this, even if you are right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. But next episode, I think we're probably going to wrap it up here pretty Yeah, quick. we're all out of time. Yeah, yeah, we're a little bit out of time for today. But, but on the next episode, guys, I really want to circle back toward... The ways in which science is now beginning to document the tangible experiences or tangible results that occur medically based on thought and thought process and mindsets. We've all heard of the placebo effect, but there's more study going, around, or going on now about mindsets and how they can affect outcomes of different treatments uh, than there have been in the past. And one of the people in the forefront, Dr. Leah Crum at Stanford has some really in- interesting information to share about that. You can find the interview with her on human labs podcast, and I'm going to do my best to sort of, uh, recap it all in the next episode. So fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, guys, uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for coming back. Thanks mm-hmm. for waiting through some, uh, a little bit weirder <laughs> yeah. stuff with wading me through the woo. But again, this is, um, you know, I would say this is like unconscious mind part two. It's, this is all about engagement with the unconscious and, uh, powers that it potentially may have
0: yeah and even if it's a bunch of bullshit it doesn't hurt
1: to try no it doesn't i mean uh, it's never gonna not benefit you to have a better positive mindset like a more positive (laughs) mindset and like you know i think i've said it the four times now but i'm just gonna say it again like i really believe that there's so much validity in angling yourself toward the future that you want because so many of the obstacles that we perceive we are putting in our own path and if you can perceive that they are not in your own path you will walk more freely into the future that you desire sounds right to me right the hard part is knowing what you want (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh, 100 percent. (laughs) yeah
0: that sort of clarity is not easy to come by yeah because i want a lot of things but uh yeah but uh, they're all different yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah
1: you can be like me and just over leverage your time on too many different things (laughs) all the time but you know life is beautiful and full That's what I try to say to myself instead of, I'm too
0: busy, you know? Life is
1: beautiful and full.
0: Are you ready for a fortune cookie? I'm fucking ready. Uh, Oh, yeah. Today, you will be recognized for your special gifts and will be happy for many hours.
1: Wow. I love that one. Many hours. I'll be happy for at least... (laughs) What do you think the minimum
0: for many is? I know, right? Because it says today. 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 Well, today you'll start being happy And then the hours might continue into the next day
1: Yeah, I mean, to be honest I was kind of down in the
0: dumps at the beginning of this recording And now I feel great Yeah, good Well, hopefully that continues for many hours That sounds like it (laughs) will Yeah, Yeah. I hear it from a high authority I have it on the highest
1: authority (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Fortune Cookie Thanks for that one If you're listening, go out there and get yourself some Chinese food
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> never a bad choice <laughs> never yeah. yeah check us out on Instagram beautiful.animals.pod yeah. send us a little email some fan mail at uh, beautifulanimalspodcast at gmail.com
1: yeah man please send us your feedback we love it we love, uh, we've love. gotten some really great listener emails lately and, yeah. uh, and uh, man it really does bring a smile to our face and a little bit of a glow to our future every time one of you thinks of us so just know in your heart of hearts how much we love you and know that the future is going to be bright and beautiful and full. And tune in next week and listen to us talk
0: about more stuff.
1: Yeah, next week we're going to go over more of the uh, actually scientifically recognized uh, benefits of hypnosis and placebo. It's going to be great. I'm excited about it. Oh
0: uh, yeah. I'm gonna in the bring, meantime, don't forget to juice it. In the meantime, don't forget to drink some water. Stay friggin' hydrated. It's very important. All right. Later, Gator.